You're listening to the Women of Worth podcast with Vicki Jacoby. Follow Vicki as she ponders anew the women of the Bible, the well-known and also the little-known. Women of Worth is not only a fresh look at scores of interesting biblical characters, but also a source of inspiration for daily Christian living. Today, Vicki looks at Mary and worship. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes. Now here's today's teaching. Wow, podcast three, Women of Worth, and we'll continue to talk about Mary. We talked about looking into Mary's song, her part of her worship to God, her expressiveness, her joy that comes out when she has greeted Elizabeth. And we find here that this is Mary's natural response to the activity and the vibrancy and the vision that God has for her life. It's incredibly sincere, and, but it's just one of pure adoration, of pure worship. Maybe a question that it's really good for me to ask myself and maybe for you to ask yourself is, what's your natural response to God's work or when you see God moving in your life? When you see an answered prayer, when you get an inkling of how God has taken care of you through the years or taken care of another loved one, is your natural response one to be of a position of sincere worship. This is what we see with Mary. She just cannot help but sort of share about the things that she knows and what she's heard, and it really overflows out of her life. I've always thought about Zechariah here because Mary and Elizabeth have this incredible greeting, and I imagine him, and this is just me taking some poetic license in the background. He can't speak at this point, We're still in Luke chapter 1, but he would have overheard this overflow of the heart. And I think of Zechariah thinking to himself, wow, she is an amazing girl. It's clear. It's so clear why God chose her. I can see it in her heart, her love for God, her passion, and zeal to see the word come true, to come to life. Her song, this greeting, she reminds me of Hannah and Samuel and the expansion of God's kingdom. I'm amazed this generational friendship between my wife and and Mary. It's spiritual. It's family. It's forever. It's everlasting. She's young to be sure, but she's not self-centered. It's not all about me and my feelings. It's about truth and God working his purpose out. It's history, or rather, his story. We are part of history. Elizabeth and I, we're part of this incredible eternal kingdom that's been promised for generations. I'm praying for her. I'm praying for Joseph. The risks because of our God's because God loves us is great. It's part of his workmanship, it's part of his plan. He wants his people to be restored in heart and soul to him. No more enslavement, but salvation through his chosen one. That's to be born of Mary, this young girl, 
this relative of ours. I'm so happy Elizabeth's got someone to talk to. I'm silent, but I'm watching this plan of redemption unfold. Women need each other. The zeal of this young girl and the wisdom of this older girl. It's relational. It's respectful. It's so refreshing. And I'm, in my older age, I'm returning to the heart of worship. Those are just some of my thoughts about perhaps what Zechariah thought as he heard what was going on between Mary and Elizabeth. But here we have Mary's song, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, or I think maybe she sung, like we talked about that lovely song, Tell Out My Soul, it just rung out. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now Mary, here, right at the end, talks about her ancestors. And Mary herself, although she's in a very poor community, Her ancestors were impressive. Both Mary and Joseph are from the line of David. I think sometimes we forget the significance of that, and that's what was prophesied that had to happen. But Mary was not insignificant in her relationship with God. She understood where she came from and where she was going. And it's an amazing thing that we see this incredible relationship that she has because she hasn't taken her heritage for granted. Now, I've spent a lot of time in the United States. It's really my second home or maybe my first home. I've spent 30 years in the UK and pretty much 30 years in the United States. But I can think sometimes that the sort of quote-unquote Christian heritage that we have, that we come from in the United States, we can take it for granted. We don't understand how precious it is. And as a result, we think we know who God is. Sometimes we know more about God than we do really knowing him because we just live in that environment. Those are the waters that we swim in. And yet it's very significant that Mary understood who her ancestors were. We find genealogies in Luke 3 and also in Matthew 1. But as I said, both Joseph and Mary are descended from David. Mary's branch of David's family can be traced through David's son of Nathan. And Joseph really is in the line of Solomon, in that royal line. But it's amazing how significant it is that we remember that these women are in the genealogies as well. And Mary had a lot of women in her line that are mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. It's amazing that these people, some of these women, 
had had difficult times, had had a hard time, had had tragedy in their life. And yet God chose them. And Mary seems to have all the great attributes of each one of these women. Each one of them is a woman of worth. And we see the value that God places on women. She's inherited the best traits. Mostly what we see is her faith is really an extraordinary example of the kind of faith that Jesus blessed. She's very sincere. She's worshipful. She's childlike in her trust in the Lord. And she's very dependent on God. And also in her own song, we see so much of what Hannah sung in 1 Samuel 10. Actually, it's in 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 10, excuse me. And, you know, we see Hannah really foreshadows Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Hannah's prayer of dedication, this is the model for Mary's song or the Magnificat that we see in Luke chapter 1 and 46 to 55. Both of these women, they are dedicating their firstborn sons to God. They're surrendering to God's will. And they know that it's going to result in emotional suffering because God has told them that. Hannah has this great godly inheritance or heritage, shall we say, as well. She's inherited a line. She's come from a spiritual family. And these women just exemplify to us what it means to know God versus knowing about God. For Hannah in 1 Samuel 2, this is her prayer. This is an answer to her prayer as well. And it's very similar. Maybe you'll hear the refrain in Mary's song too. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for is there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled and girded with strength those who were full of their own hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and he she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among the princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. Surely those stanzas remind you so much of what Mary shares. And Hannah continues, For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He has guarded the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hannah's words of praise are just filled with love and with wonder. That love for God 
and a love for all things that are from above, that are from heaven. And one of the keys to Hannah's lasting influence really was this attribute to her as a mother. It's just incredible. She talks about his power, his wisdom. She worships him as a savior, a creator, as a sovereign judge. There's nothing missing. And there is just this adoration that Hannah has. And we have to think, Mary knew this. You know, for us today, we have Old Testaments. We have all kinds of devices where we can pull up scriptures. But they didn't have their own pocket version. She had to have heard this. Mary had to have heard this in the temple. She had to have learned it when she, or she remembered it when she went to synagogue or when it was recited. I'm sure it was a song because nearly all of us remember songs so much more vividly than just a piece of prose. But we see that Mary is intimately connected with all that is going on. And her response is just one of worship. And again, what's my response when I hear good news, amazing news, the miraculous, the incredible things that God is doing? Do I sing about it? Do I tell out my soul? Do I shout it to the rooftops? Can it be heard among the nations? For me, when I think of Mary here, I think of her loving the Lord, her God, with all her body, mind, soul, and strength. She's got the mind, but she also has that soul. She's deeply connected to God. She knows God, and God knows her. And again, we're talking about the soul, that inner being, that the joy overflows, and that part of that overflow of joy is being expressive and being able to share that with Elizabeth. We talked about in the last podcast that they got each other, they understood They knew what was going on and they're excited. But her soul, her inner being rejoices in God. From the depths of her heart, sometimes it just overflows. It cannot be helped. You know, we talked, Mary's heard his voice. She's put it all together. It's all come together. All the pieces of this puzzle. She knows it's part of history. She knows it's part of God's redemptive plan. And she gets to share in that. And it's not about her. It's not about, oh, I'm going to achieve something. It's more I'm aware. I'm spiritually aware. I'm spiritually alive. These promises and these hopes are just incredible. You know, she's found favor. She's found favor with God. And I think sometimes we need to think, what does it mean to find favor? You know, I shared a little while ago that I went to Nepal and I remember we were getting up quite early in the morning and then one day the schedule gave us an extra hour in bed. And you know you're found favor with the scheduling gods and you just feel like, oh, this extra hour, what a treasure, what a treat. And that's how Mary feels, that she's found favor with God and that God has taken her into his consideration. She knows she's highly favoured. She's found favour. She knows she's special. But it's not because of anything she has done. It's because God has chosen her. And just like Mary, each one of us is chosen. He has a vision for us. We might have a plan. 
We just need to find out and hear his voice and make sure that we hear his special commission, that we understand we're unique, that God has made us and he's made us just as he wants each one of us, that the strengths that we have are enough. You know, sadly today, so often we focus on our weaknesses or what we think we should be, or we hear the negativity from somebody else, or we compare ourselves. But you know what? God tells us he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. That if we can just be mindful and understand that, yes, we might have a lowly place in life, that's humility. That's a place of vulnerability. It doesn't mean that we're not special. It means God has taken notice. God has paid attention. You know, the currency that God works with, for us perhaps it's pounds over here in the UK, in America, it may be dollars. But God's currency is humility and a servant attitude. And that's what he loves about Mary, but that's what she sings about. Jesus talks about being gentle and humble. Proverbs is full of humility and tells us it'll bring wisdom. That is why Mary found favour with God. I think sometimes as we look at this song with her, she's expressing that we need to live humbly, we need to live simply, and we need to humbly live, and we need to simply live, and let our currency be that of humility. This song, we hear her, we hear Mary, she's listening, she's heard, she's believed, she's understood Her song is one of joy, but it's also one of great hope. Elizabeth, right before this song, says, Blessed, verse 45, is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And I mentioned before, for me, really thinking about what it means to hear, but even more so what it means to understand. These women have heard and they've understood. Mary has heard of Hannah. Mary has heard of Israel's history. Mary also understands about the redemptive plan of salvation that God is bringing in. And it's going to be the Messiah and that is going to be born to her, her child, Jesus. And she realizes that all generations would call her blessed, not because of who she is, but who, because of who God is and that she got to be a part of his plan. You know, when we... Perhaps a question for us to ask ourselves is, how well do I know my Old Testament? How well do I even know New Testament? What, what have I memorized? What have I learned? Because I think sometimes if we can learn these things... It goes into our heart. Sometimes as we get older, it's really hard to do memorization. But I do appreciate the mind of this young girl because it's so clear that her heart and mind were thoroughly saturated with God's word. You know, as we said, she echoes Hannah's prayer. But there are about 30 allusions to the Old Testament, to the Psalms, and to Isaiah that come out of this 
song of praise that Mary sings from Luke 46 to 55. In those 10 verses, the Old Testament is referenced on my counting, and it may be more, at least 30 times. She understood. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. In the Old Testament, we see that in Hannah saying, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In Psalm 34, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Psalm 35, my soul will be joyful in the Lord. And in Isaiah 61, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. And so from her, just she knows one of those passages, but it's also the exuberance. It's also the, the, the thrill of understanding what's going on that she says, my soul glorifies. It's just bubbling over. It's coming out. And then that her spirit is rejoicing. She knows God's her salvation from Isaiah. She knows that God is the savior, that he's regarded the lowly in state. This is exactly what Hannah had talked about. And she references that. But she also knows that God has remembered the lowly for his mercy endures forever. We find that in Psalm 136, and you see that come out in a number of places. And when she talks about, you know, all generations will call me blessed in verse 48, that we find Leah saying in Genesis 30, and then we also hear it in Malachi 3, we're talking about John the Baptist coming up too. The fact that God has done mighty things in verse 49 talks about God's righteousness. He's done great things in Psalm 71. In Psalm 126, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad, glad, joy. We don't talk about gladness much today. It seems to be an old-fashioned word. And holy is his name. Again, we find it in Psalm 111. Holy and awesome is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. His mercy is great in Psalm 103. His mercy of the Lord, it's coming, it's everlasting for those who fear him. And his righteousness will endure to his children's children. Again, more echoes of all that is in the Psalms. So you feel like she knows her Old Testament history. She knows about Hannah, but she's very acquainted with the Psalms. And this is where I'm really convinced more and more that God has taught and put these songs to music and they're singing them and that there's something that we lack today, but maybe we've got to sing these things. We need to sing these verses too. You know, again, we find he's scattered the proud, he's put down the mighty, and these are echoes again of everything that's going on and has gone on in history. Um, in Psalm 107, he's filled the hungry with good things. He's helped his servant Israel in Psalm 98. Psalm 105, we know about his generations and his descendant and his covenant being everlasting, which is just what he spoke about with, um, with Mary. And she shares about, as she concludes and wraps up, that he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So when I look at Mary's song, it is, is the overflow of her heart, but it tells me she's rooted in God's word. Often today, we're very faithful about praying when we feel pressed, when we think, find things are difficult. 
And it's a lot easier for many of us to pray than it is to read. And yet for to know God, it's remembering that his word, including the Old Testament, is really that love letter that's written to us. It reflects his heart. It reveals his nature. And I think we've got to take time to read. It's great to listen and it's great to sing. But that came out. Mary's song comes out because she was deeply rooted in his word. She put down deep roots. When we talk about roots, one of my favorite passages, and it makes me think of Mary here, is in Jeremiah 17. And it talks about the difference between having an independent spirit and an interdependent spirit and how we envision what's going on in our life and how we see it. It says, Cursed are those who trust in mortals, who depend on flesh for their strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. They will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by a river that sends out its shoots by the stream. does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You know, we have this beautiful picture of this tree and also this bush kind of being blown around in the wastelands. But I think of Mary, I think of her as being somebody who is deeply rooted. She's by that stream. She's taking up all those nutrients and she's not worried about the heat and what's to come. And we see that so clearly with Elizabeth. She's not running away from Nazareth. She's going away to rejoice. She doesn't have fear. She isn't worried about having this child. And I think it's just a beautiful picture of a gorgeous tree flourishing. And maybe, you know, we talked about what would Mary do? I think we've got to say she put down deep roots. She's this beautiful green tree. Zechariah, we know, unfortunately, he kind of trusted in his own strength. And we see him at this time when he was first met by the angel, that his heart a little bit had turned away from God. He wasn't able to receive the things that God wanted him to do and wanted him to have. You know, sometimes when we've been disappointed, it's almost like we've clenched our fists and we need to relax and we need to breathe and it's almost like we need to open our hands to be able to receive, to say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for this blessing. You know, Mary was able to receive to thank God for that blessing. But a huge part of it was just how rooted she was. And yes, she's young and she hasn't had time to be disappointed. But what God is offering her and what the angel has said to her was truly out of this world. How was she possibly going to be able to receive this vision and live it out when so many circumstances and were just out of this world? Mary has an understanding that really, I believe, has rooted her. She understands God's mercy. That is a concept I find quite baffling. You know, I've had to think about what is mercy. And these are some definitions that I've come up with. It's forgiveness with no conditions attached. Sometimes we want to forgive, but we want there to be change, 
beforehand or an apology. But mercy goes past that. It extends past forgiveness. I also think sometimes of forgiving the repeat offender in advance. You know, I'm a repeat offender. We all are. But we want God's forgiveness. And if we understand the scriptures, we understand that because of Christ, we are forgiven in advance. He's taken away. You know, but God extends his mercy. It's expansive. It's an outreach of his hands. It's that openness of his hands. Mary understands mercy and she's able to receive. And it's a stretch, but she's excited. It's not about being afraid. It's not about being entitled. Mercy and humility seem to go hand in hand. And he says in verse 50, his mercies extend to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary's got this grand picture of everything that's going on. The compassion, the forgiveness that's shown towards someone. The power you have to either punish somebody or to harm somebody or to withhold a punishment, which is what God has done with us by sending Christ. And that mercy has been extended. I always remember when somebody has shown mercy to me. I remember a few years ago, I was actually doing a class with a professor and I was about to fly to my cousin's funeral in the UK. And it was just a very sad time and I did all the work and I was trying to get it done ahead of time. And I'd actually got Doug to read my paper um, just to double check my grammar and some of the other things that could be missing. And he worked at the same university as his professor. Anyway, we sent it and it disappeared in cyberspace. And we have no idea. Doug had read the paper. I don't know what I'd done in my rush and in my hurry, but I didn't have time to do it again. And so I wrote to this professor and I told him what had happened, that I'd completed the work, that Doug had actually read it and I've got all my notes, but the final paper had disappeared and I was happy to send him the notes, but I was going to this funeral and I was just asking for a favor. I was asking for mercy. And he was so kind as to grant me that and say, it's okay. I don't know if that's allowed, but I appreciated it so much. You know, but it affects me on the way I talk about this professor. Mercy has a profound effect, not on just you, but on how you speak about other things. How I feel towards him, how I share about him as a person and think about him, his character. I think of him as his fairness, his kindness, his consideration, his understanding. He could have punished me and it wouldn't have been a punishment. He was quite within his rights to say, you need to redo it. But that's not what came about. Mary here continues to let us know that God is our protector, he's a provider, he's a helper, he's a giver, he's got a project, he's got a plan, and this is his heart, and this is part of our collective worship when we sing and engage with this song. You know, Mary's song, I think of that song that we sing, something we're coming back to the heart of worship. It is all about you, God. There's nothing in this song that's about Mary. It's all about God. His mercy, how he performs, how he brings down, how he raises up, how he, he God, is totally in control. 
So as we think of Mary, we've got to think about how do I also respond? Have I got that heart to exude, to sing, to praise, to worship, to adore the God, the creator of the universe, because he has done mighty things among us. That's the heart of Mary, and that's the praise and the adoration. And I think it's a challenge for us, but it's a beautiful song at the same time. And it tells us about his plan, his story, and our eternal redemption. We hope you enjoyed Vicki's teaching on Women of Worth. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave a review on the podcast platform you tuned in from. Those reviews help to make sure that more people can discover the value of the Women of Worth podcast. Thank you again for listening.